Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Righteous Prick Podcast. I am the Righteous Prick, J.L. Covan. It is 1.42 p.m. Eastern on a Sunday, the Lord's Day, November 27th, in the year of the aforementioned Lord 2022. This is my third go of it on this podcast today because the first one got very morbid. And then Cookie, who has this newfound habit of constantly licking her chops, um, I yelled at her and said, what the fuck? Do you have tardive dyskinesia? Get the fuck out of the studio. And she wouldn't get out. And I kept saying, get the fuck out. Get the." And then she finally left when I left. And I was like, well, that episode's ruined. That's all my fans want is 30 minutes of lamenting about your career, followed by verbal animal abuse. Uh, so then I said, let's do it again. And then 30 seconds into it, Cookie starts barking at the door. So I told her to come inside. And then she, with her fucking plastic cone, shook some. And I was like, okay, you're killing the audio twice. So, and then I said, that's why this is, that's why this is the best house. You, you and the righteous girlfriend are like my ultimate fans. One of you ruins podcasts and the other one doesn't listen to it. Not afraid of bashing the righteous family. Anyway, guys, Ron Reagan Jr. with an early appearance. Thank you, Ron. Always here to set the course straight. Um, unlike your orientation, whoa, shots fired at Ron Reagan Jr. Not afraid of gay rumors. Um, that's what I've heard. I don't know if he's gay, but that would also explain why he has extra animosity towards Ron Sr. and Nancy. Um, I may be gay, but even I haven't given as much head as my mom. Not afraid of roasting Nancy. So anyway, guys, that's a lot of Ron. I feel like Ron Reagan's been missing from the show recently, and maybe that's the key ingredient. So you just got a double barrel dosage of atheists for smugness spokesperson, Ron Reagan Jr. Not afraid of burning in hell. Uh, that was the tone down one he's doing now because I used to make fun of the uh, the one I always make fun of. And then all of a sudden he reemerged with some kinder, gentler atheism commercials. Interesting. Hmm. So anyway, guys, um, if you're, I want to thank the one new Patreon person who joined. I appreciate you. I asked for um, a tall order. I wanted uh, Black Friday weekend to lead to 93 more patrons or 94 more patrons, and we added one. So we fell a little short of our corporate benchmarks, but that's par for the course. Um, similarly, on Making Podcasts Great Again, we wanted to add 100 new Patreon subscribers. We added two. So, excuse me, we are, um, we're really kicking ass and taking names is my point. Um, I have come to the conclusion in my career, which whose days may be numbered. I know what you're thinking. JL, you always say that, but it has been a two year decline in mental health for me over what's happened since the pandemic. The, I know it just seemed like a goofy thing, but it really did begin. My insomnia really did begin with, um, Sarah Cooper's lip sync videos, because I remember telling friends that's going to be the end of me. And they were like, what are you talking about? You're blowing up, dude. What, she lip syncs? And I said, I have a correct estimation of the broader population, which is that it is a simple attention deficit riddled, stupid, teeming mass. That's what the general population is. And I said, they don't even need a good impression. 
people, half the people who comment can't even distinguish between a good impression and a bad impression. They just like impressions. Like it's like a shiny toy for a pet. And I said, watching her blow up, I said, this is, this is the beginning of the end. This is, this, I flew too close to the sun um, when I thought that my career was going to change briefly. And it has never really abated. And it's gone to different things. And the special has been, you know, a year-long saga now of, of bitter disappointment. And, you know, I've got a therapist who who's suggesting I get on antidepressants. And I'm like, can we just wait until my special comes out? Because I'd like the control group in the control group to determine if I'm actually clinically depressed. I feel like having your career ruined is like an X factor. So I just want that out of the way before I determine what's my general mood when my career isn't getting uh, fucked vigorously on the set of deliverance. Can I, can I just wait until that, till I see what happens with that and then we'll decide if I want antidepressants. So it's, it's things like that. It's the fact that, you know, the double-edged sword is, I, there's not even a double, the, the problem with, with, with doing impressions is that you end up collecting a lot of non-comedy fans or, or just bored people. And so that kind of inflated my thoughts as to what I would be able to achieve with the fan base I had. But the fact remains that I don't have an engaged fan base. And that's okay. No, like no one person owes me anything. This is just in sort of the aggregate. Um, I overestimated basically my, my career in every single way. Like I don't sell a lot of tickets on the road. I sell more than I would three years ago, of course. But, you know, a lot of clubs aren't returning my emails because I didn't sell well. And, and clubs don't. I get mad when a club doesn't book me, but a club doesn't owe me multiple bookings to see if I can sell tickets. Um, I don't have an agent, which is really, you know, that's the, the guardian angel for so many dog shit comedians and underperforming and underselling comedians is an agent. Because an agent can leverage their actual good clients and successful clients to prop up their dog shit clients. And without an agent to bolster my career, I'm left sort of with just my social media reach, which we know is greatly diminished. And I, I, uh, I've been very close to deleting my Twitter account just for the freedom of it and starting over on Twitter or just not. But... I don't want to be on Facebook. I'm on Facebook simply because I rejoined Facebook after like two and a half years off because of the Twitter shadow ban. I was just like, well, I, I literally was saying to myself, well, I have this special coming out soon, so I need to be on every platform just to give the special its best chance. And then I can reevaluate and delete the platforms I don't like. Instagram is not too useful to me. I don't have a big enough following. I have like, like 8,400 people or something, which is nice, but most of them don't see posts. So the sh like we've reached a point now where in terms of just mental health um comedy is is more like some sort of self-flagellation at this point like I'm you know it reminds me of a story I once told my therapist about my mom how for like 20 years I can remember her yelling at my dad to make the bed cuz my dad's employment was spottier 
and then he was old. He was he was like 13 years older, so he retired much much earlier than my mom, who was basically forced into retirement. Um, but so if he was staying home, she but he he viewed that in a very chauvinistic way as as um, maids work not the work of a man. I know. I know guys that you clutch your pearls. Shocking that the man born in Haiti in 1931 wasn't uh wasn't a progressive feminist. But he um but she never stopped complaining about it. And it got to a point where I was sort of like, "Ma, he ain't making the fucking bed." Like I know you got to take the L because taking the L now will free your mind later on once you can move past taking the L. And this is funny because obviously you guys who listen to me, you know I have the exact same mentality when it comes to comedy. Like somehow I'm going to prove by being really good and working hard and having a broad variety of skills and, and, and con can't can can't to provide to people that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to overwhelm the the industry, their reluctance to deal with me, to sign me, to book me. I'm gonna overwhelm them with my talent. And and but every day I don't overwhelm them. I will dig deeper into that well of despair uh that, that makes me feel unjustly harmed or 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 disrespected. And 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 I'm gonna double down. I'm gonna make more videos and write better blogs and 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 write better jokes and make a better special. And that will show them. And then they will have to open up the doors and and give me the career I've so I've earned. And it's not gonna happen. So now I'm at this point where I just go. Let's look at this objectively, as objectively as possible. Social media doesn't work for me anymore. I don't reach a fraction. I reach a small fraction of the people who follow me. I don't have an agent and I've been a hundred percent unsuccessful in even getting a phone call or a meeting with agents, let alone being signed by somebody. Why is that? I don't know. They don't like the look of me. Is there, are there stories about me? Have I been, Banned. I don't like anything is possible, but it just seems that whatever it is, it doesn't even matter at this point. It's it's not happening. I'm not getting signed. There hasn't even been interest, let alone a returned phone call or email. So what the fuck? Like, so that you know, that's the easiest thing to deal with because I've always thought the industry in comedy was fucking completely stupid. But and that might be why I don't have an agent. But you know what? There's a lot of shit talent. There's a lot of shit comics with agents, so it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't speak speak well for the industry. But I thought, okay, so social media isn't working for me. That was my big outlet. That got shut down in early 2021. Just complete, complete, and total shutdown of my reach. Okay, the industry is not interested in signing me, and I, I average like a booking every five weeks. Okay, but I'm still making good comedy. Um, and I just have to deal with the fact that that doesn't matter. And people sometimes say, well, what about doing it as a hobby, JL? You can do it as a hobby. Um, it's not going to be my best work. And that's how that's what I want to do. I, I the only thing I the only thing you can you have left is pride in your work. So if I if I'm doing like two thirds the best I can do, why why do that? 
that will just make me bitter. It'll make me bitter that my work is not as good as it could be because I haven't been able to, to go full-time and be the... And when I say go full-time, I don't mean economically. I could quit my job and be a full-time, quote-unquote, comic. I don't want to be some fucking loser that the, the type of loser that proliferates in, in, in this business of, of the person with two roommates um, doing maybe some part-time scam work or some fucking bullshit, but saying that, they, oh, I'm a comedian. No. I want I want the work to 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 make me a comedian, not my own fucking self-identification. I identify as I work 40 hours in an office, but I identify as a comedian. Fuck that shit. So we just get to the point where we go, well, what do I do? And we are at a Hail Mary point, which is the special. And I don't think it's going to do what I want it to do or what I need it to do to not just sustain my career where it is, which is a place of misery, but elevate me. Um, what I need, and this is fucking crazy to say, but this is the truth. I need like a Nanette type response to this. Now, if this were the first set from October, 2021, I would put my odds at like 10% chance that this, this becomes a thing. The new set Though I'm very proud of it, and I think you will you will all like it, those of you who actually watch it or buy it, um, I'd give it like a 0.01% chance of doing that. It's just, there's a lot of good stuff on it, but it's not, it's, it's not, like I said, it's an A- minus compared to an A+. Plus. That said, my A- minus I think is better than most comedians' A's, um, but... I just don't, I'm just getting to grips with the idea of this all being over because I don't know what I'm going to do post comedy. Like I'd like to write some things, but I'll have to first get out of my head like that. It's a useless exercise writing a script because if I couldn't, if I could have the best Trump impression and be a, a very strong stand up comedian and none of those things matter to the longevity of my comedy career then why will me entering a new front as a script writer be any different or a book? I, so I'll have to give myself some time to just like cleanse my mind of the negativity that I feel towards creative processes in general before I can embark on something new. But in the meantime, I still have to have a job, which means if I'm lucky enough to keep the law firm job, which of course, over the last couple of years, I haven't billed the most hours among my fellow, my fellow ranks because I'm, very busy dedicating myself to this sinking ship. So that would be the ultimate irony is like I quit comedy, but before I quit comedy, it costs me my day job. Um, and I feel like there's, I don't want to say a 50, 50 chance. I feel like there's a tw uh, 20, 80 chance. Like it's not, it's lower than 50, 50, but it's not non-existent. I'd say a 20, 80 chance that like in six months, I don't have a day job and not by my choice. I'd love it to be by my choice. So you just sit and you go, well, what do I do? Because I'm 43. I have no kids. Uh, I really gave my adult life and a lot of time that would have been spent in friendships and relationships um, over to comedy. 
and made many sacrifices on my resume to make sure that I could prioritize comedy because every so often there were these markers that made me think, okay, I'm on the right path. Whether it was having a great late night television debut early in my career, whether it was um, having a video go viral, the Louis C.K., my first viral video, or getting myself onto the Dan Lebitard show and the Adam Carolla show. I did all those things by myself. And that was enough to make me believe like, yeah, I just got to reach the right person. I'm, I'm, I got the goods. People are sight, they're, they're picking up on my, my skills and my comedy, like with no additional agent on my behalf. So I know I got the goods. I keep impressing different groups of people with what I can do. And then 2020 happened. And just for a second, I really believed it was going to happen. It, it felt like it was surreal. It was a lot of pressure and it was, it was very weird because I felt like I had given up and there was this new hope, justifiably. Um, but any comedy hope that can be snuffed out by a lip sync video is not worth much. And I don't say that to shade Sarah Cooper or anybody else. I'm just saying in a world that will give the keys to the comedy kingdom to an open micer that did a lip sync while leaving you with nothing, giving you nothing. The industry gave me absolutely nothing for my skills and my work and my fame. Nothing, zero. Everything I got was from fans, buying cameos, watching YouTube videos. That was it. There was no, in, there was no industry money or hookup for me. What, the Lincoln Project paid me to do some videos. That wasn't that wasn't that wasn't my agent booking me for the Lincoln project. That was me being noticed by them and then get them giving me a nice check. So it just reaches a point where it's like it's time to stop asking the comedy business to make the bet. They're not going to. Um and I, you know, I joked with the righteous girlfriend last night. I said, let's say my special does sell. You know what's going to happen, right? It'll sell to Showtime. And I'll probably weep Captain Phillips tears. <laughs> if you've seen Captain Phillips, that's... If, if this special were to sell to like Showtime, Netflix, HBO, I'd look like Tom Hanks at the end of fucking Captain Phillips. But I, but what's odd is that I actually, because of the nature of my career, I have to prepare for the fact that I could, let's say that happens. Let's say my special goes up on Showtime. Let's be the least ambitious of the three, even though those Showtime would be a fucking godsend. And then nobody watches it. Or I still don't get an agent. Or more bookings. Then what? then is it okay to quit? Do you see what I mean? Like, cause I have to now, I have to not enjoy us, even if a, an unlikely success occurs for my own mental health, I have to not enjoy it because it isn't the final step. It would just be a big step in the right direction. But when I just hypothetically showtime buys half blackface, it's airing February 3rd as part of half black history month. And it debuts and my fans watch it. Several fans write to me on Twitter saying, I don't have showtime, but good luck. And then I quote tweet them and say, before I block you, you dumb, inconsiderate fuck. 
You can get a free trial, you worthless piece of shit. Don't ever contact me again. Toodles. So I will get several of those. Oh, I don't get Showtime, but that's so great. Oh, okay. You can't afford the free trial? Oh, you must be really, you must be really poor if you can't afford a free trial. I feel you. Thanks for your support. I love having you as a fan. Hashtag blessed. Um, but let's say it goes up and my fans and my friends are like, jail. Half Black Face really was fucking awesome. And I just bought the companion album and blah, 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 blah. And then I'm feeling good. I'm like, okay, okay, yes, yes. Get a publicist, a couple nice articles, a couple good podcast reviews. Okay, okay, now what's next? Okay, let me do this eighth hour. 91 tickets sold <laughs> to the eighth hour, not a sellout. No agent. Three bookings. Maybe if I'm even lucky, a corporate booking. And then that's it. And then it's like, oh, wow, that was just a temporary reprieve. Even that couldn't lift me up to a place where we belong. Not a Joe Cocker impression. I just, I've just pretended to be constipated. And I feel like that got me 90% of the way to a Joe Cocker. That's Joe Cocker and Sean Penn, two constipated superstars that I've referenced now on this podcast. Um, but... I just have to, I have to be in quit mode, basically. And I know I keep saying that, but this is real. Like, I don't want to go on antidepressants. I will, if, 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 if I think that's what my therapist really thinks is, is necessary. And I've been seeing her for, for a long time, but I definitely, I definitely took a downturn during the pandemic and it had, it had nothing to do on, you know, not to sound self selfish. It didn't have as much to do the two, you know, my uncle passing away, not from COVID, that was obviously upsetting. Um, but I don't wake up every day missing my uncle. I miss my uncle. There, I think very often of him and my father um, because I come from a aggressive but close-knit family. You know, our, there's, there's two types of families, it seems, that yeah, there's either the ones that, like, they fight and they, and they say, we don't talk to that cousin. She's a bitch. She tried to steal money or whatever. Or hours where you say everything, the fights are vicious, the language is awful, and yet it's always family above everything. And so, so losing, you know, two, two fifths, well, obviously I'm one of the fifths, but basically since 2017, losing half of my family in terms of father, uncle, brother, mother, me. And... I wake up, though, not going, oh, Uncle John, oh, Dad. I do, I think of them probably daily at some point every day because it just feels like I'm missing two of the few people who gave a shit. Who, you know, it's love. It's, it's, and this isn't unique. I'm sure many people feel this way. But I don't wake up going, oh, where's my dad? Oh, where's my uncle? I wake up going, the fucking special, fucking Twitter, like every day. And that's terrible. But I didn't wake up like that in 2019. I was sad for like a week when I moved out to New Jersey. I felt like I, I had abandoned uh, an apartment I liked, um, a city I liked, a comfort zone that I was in. But after a couple of weeks, I was like, I kind of like it out here. I'm out here with the righteous girlfriend and cookie and it's, it's peaceful. 
Maybe that's what I needed. And I got more space. And this is pre-pandemic. I, I was already kind of adjusting to it. Um, and I didn't feel this way. But things happened since, 20, you know, in 2020 and beyond that have made me feel very depressed. But I don't know if it's depression or if it's these things are bringing me down. And when they are gone, maybe I'll feel better. Uh, but you know, thank God I didn't share the depressing episode. Am I right, folks? How often do I do that? I go, I deleted the last episode because it was way too depressing, but here you'll hear my suicide note, not afraid of getting even more depressing on the version that I keep. Um, and then it's, you know, I, I keep, there is a part of me that I think seeks out, and this is maybe the depressed part that keeps seeking out things to be frustrated and annoyed by. But it, it at every level of comedy, like I, I am, I am not getting the metrics that I need, if that makes any sense. And it's no like if you're listening to this podcast, thank you. But it's and like I said, it's not any individual person's fault. But in the aggregate in the aggregate known as JL's fan base or people who have subscribed to whatever he does or like some or all the things he does, the, the rate of return is, is atrocious, whether it's ticket sales, Patreon, et cetera. And like I said, this is not to guilt any one person. It's to tell it's, it's the message to me is that your stuff is not worth dedicating your life to. Like I don't, whether it's ticket sales, Patreon, the special, obviously, you know, between the two podcasts I do, I probably have on the low conservative end, 5,000 listeners. Let's just say it, it might be many more than that, but let's just play it conservative, 5,000. So if my special doesn't sell to a platform and it's available on iTunes for $9.99, you would think that I would at least sell 5,000 because it's like, well, these, this is a one-time thing. This isn't a subscription or a monthly occurrence. This is like JL's one special in his career. So obviously, anybody who's a fan of really anything he does is going to go, well, I got to get this special. It's a one-time thing. It's like, even if it's just as like a thank you for all you've done, I'm glad to support you, even though I don't want that to a certain extent. I'll take it for the special. I'll take the support for the special. But maybe you'll watch it and enjoy it. But I already know it's not going to be 5,000 sold without a PR campaign going beyond my fan base. And then you have to wonder, well, why, why would I have fans, once again, in the aggregate, why would I have fans who wouldn't get my comedy special? Because they're not fans of me as a shitty attorney. They're fans of me as a comedian. So I, have, I will have one special. It's not like the monthly special plan or the, the special of the month club. And yet I already know that I won't sell close to that many among my own fans. And then you sort of go, okay, well then they're fans and I appreciate to whatever extent they are fans, but they aren't fans that can keep me doing comedy. Um, and so that's my point is that when I look at this in the aggregate, uh, I said, pardon me if I've already said this, I know I said it on the deleted version, but I feel like I, I feel like I promised God something and I, I backtracked on it because I said uh, right before and I said it on this podcast, I think I said um, right before the special, I was in church and I was just like, I don't uh, I don't think it's right to be praying for a 
comedy special. It's not a good usage of my prayers, but I, I usually spend my prayers praying for the homeless, the abused, um, maybe some, some deceased relatives or, or some people I know. And I try to keep like, please let like, you know, and I, not to let you in, but the, the prayer I say the most, because it feels like a cop out that I'm not being totally selfish is, you know, it's kind of that let thy will be done sort of thing. Like, hey, if I'm not supposed to be doing comedy, just point me in the direct, point me in a direction, open my eyes or my heart to what I should be doing or what I could be using, whatever my skills that you gave me, what can I be doing better for the world? Because I thought being a comedian, making people laugh and then getting rich and being able to give to charity and maybe, and I know that I, you don't have to believe me that that's what I want because that's an easy way out. The hard way is like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to move out of Jersey and like fucking move to Haiti and help fight the gangs and rebuild the country. Or I'm going to join uh, the World Food Program and, and feed people in, in South Sudan and, and, and um, Yemen. But I, as I've said before on this show, I don't have that kind of courage, unfortunately. So I, I donate a lot of money um, this year, probably more than I was actually should have because um, I've been sweating out a lot of bills. But I, it's, the, it's, it's, it's sort of the least I can do, but also in some respects the most I can do. But I really wanted to, I thought, you know, well, if, if things blow up for me, man, I could, I could be a good voice and a good, uh, use that money for good. But that's in some ways an easy way. Like, oh, wow, you're really, a, it's, it's like the way I want to get the Al Franken path to the Senate. No, I don't want to work in Congress for 20 years as like an assistant and then a rep. No, I just want to become a famous comedian and then run a celebrity campaign for the U.S. Senate. But. I said before that taping, I said I don't often pray for comedy things because I don't think it's worth anything. But give me a sign. If this goes really well, I will interpret that as I need to keep doing this. Like it is my, that is my skill, that is my gift, etc. But if something weird happens, I've never had a special fuck up. Six out of six, self-producing. But if something weird were to happen, like the camera would fuck up, then I'll take that as a sign that I should give up comedy. Now, I left that set being told that it looked great, sounded great, and I knew it was fucking great. And I thought maybe that was p part of what buoyed me after that was like, oh, man. This is, I am, I am a fucking comedian. This is what I need to do. It is going to happen for me. And this special very well might be the ticket. After all these opportunities that I've made for myself and that have fallen into my lap, I did it. And then a few months later, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. I found out that in fact, that's exactly what happened. I fuck up with the camera. And I didn't have the guts to, to, to stick to my word. And to say, well, that certainly is a sign, <laughs> kind of on the nose, if you ask me. I, I think, you know, if you believe in God, it sounded like God was doing his closest uh, direct communication with me. I felt like a fucking biblical prophet. <laughs> God spoke to me through the broken camera. That would the book of JL in the Bible. It's like Job, but with tech. Um, and... I didn't have the guts. I, I just said, I, I got to redo this. It was too good. And 
there was a camera fuck up on the second one. There's only two camera. It's a two camera usage, which is why the uh, edit has taken so long. I've been blaming the editor, but it turns out that once again, the culprit was the original culprit as well. Um, faulty camera work and placement. And yet I've watched it and it's very good. I'm very happy with it. Um, but it's not, it's probably not going to sell anywhere. And if it does sell somewhere, you know, I, I stick to the same thing I said in 2020 to friends and on this podcast. I said, I'll quit my day job and believe in comedy when I have a real tour and or an agent. Until then, it's it's all bullshit. And, you know, I, I don't I don't use the buzzwords and talk about self-care and what. But comedy, you know, this has been a net negative for me in terms of my my emotional state and my mental well-being. Um. Because it feels a little, it feels a little like mental torture. Not physical torture, obviously, but but it does feel like mental uh, mental torture, because I got so close to what I wanted, um, and it just keeps slipping away, and um, you know, if I if I you know I feel like in comedy, like like most arts now, selling out is a is the way to go. You know, either you, you know, everybody thinks the other group, the other side is a hack. But, you know, whenever I hear Bill Maher bitching about woke, I'm always like, still? That sounds hacky now. Move on. But there's a group of, you know, there's a sizable group of people that will never, in, in comedians and in comedy fans, that will ne that seem to never get tired of hearing the same old woke, libs, libs suck, they ruin everything, blah, 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 blah. Um, and on the other side is people who just, you know, they'll, they, they just want, everybody wants their views affirmed and that's, that's infected and leaked into the comedy scene in a big way, but nobody thinks their side is being hacky. There's an indefatigable spirit for hearing your own bullshit on each side. So like if I went to clubs and just did six, like 10 impressions and a bunch of Trump bashing jokes that you could find on Twitter, I might crush with the fans of mine that actually show up. Some of the ones that show up are really good comedy fans. So I'm not saying it's a, it's a, it, you, you are not a monolith. Jail comedy fans are not a monolith. But on the flip side, you could just be crude and vulgar and like decry woke culture. And even if it's not that funny, there's a built-in audience for that now that, will, that, that is indefatigable. They'll just keep going, yes, more, more left bashing. Yes, this is comedy. This is comedy offend offend i'm not laughing but i love that you're offending great and every reel and tiktok looks the same like that like it's it's these faux q and a's that really are just bad improv and everything is like you could either put up a hacky joke or just something with a buzzword that's but and and like not to claim that i'm like superior to everybody but i can't do that like what I will do is I'll do four or five minutes on the day I got into town. Not the what's, hey, what's the shitty town near here I can make fun of? Nope, you're a hack. Shut the fuck up. I just, I did five minutes, uh, four, three minutes on the Cheesecake Factory meal that I'd had. Um, and I forgot to do a bit on the, the hotel door, um, which I think I talked about on the um, Patreon episode. But But now it's sort of like, no comic thinks they're a hack, but the, 
everybody is turning into a fucking sellout hack. Like, it's it's fucking weird. Not obviously not everybody, but like everybody's content looks the same. And it's like, hey, what do you want to talk about? Blah. Okay, blah blah blah. Two boom boom. Three hundred three hundred k likes. Great. Now we put up content. We're 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 we're, we're we're accelerating the disposable nature of stand-up comic for light for of stand-up comedy for likes and and for algorithm appeasement. But you're damaging the fucking art. And 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 the problem is, I stand here. I sit sit here in my truth. I'm sitting in my truth, not standing in it. But I I am still sitting in truth. It's not as good as standing in truth. But you know, um, and. I go. What is this all worth? What is this? Any of this for? You, you behold into the algorithms. Well, the algorithms no longer favor me. So that's out. For fans who don't really want to buy your stuff, you're more of a distraction. Why? Because we've treated comedy now as a disposable distraction, a quick fix for a laugh, for a serotonin boost. And we, we, we flip through them like everybody else. Like every, it's comedy is just another thing to flip through. It's not an art form. Like it's not, it's just something to distract me. And the, the majority of the population takes it that way. And so you're left with an art that's devalued where you we're doing it the right way. What I would consider the right way no longer has value where agents can prop up comics that don't belong, don't deserve to be propped up. And it's just this ecosystem that's getting worse and worse. And I the question for me is, when the fuck do I when do I jump out of the moving car? Um because it's making it's it's not making me happy. It's making me more and more frustrated and feel more and more disrespected. And and maybe people just don't care. It might not be active disrespect. It might just be apathy or too much content or nobody cares. But we're ju I'm just at a point now where it's like, let's get half blackface out. Um, let me self record to get the taste out of my mouth from this fucking experience. I'll self record one more, April first. March 31st, April 1st in New York City. Just so I can end on a self-produced note. I don't want, no matter how good I think Half Blackface is, I cannot let that be the last thing I do as a comedian. It can't be. It's, it's, I, I can't, it may be some of my best comedy ever, but it's been the worst comedy experience. And I don't want that for my own pride, for my own work that I've put in, effort I've put in, spending nearly two decades in my entire adult life doing this shit. I don't want that to be the last thing I do. It could win a fucking Emmy. I wouldn't want it to be the last thing I do because it's been such a, a, an awful experience. But once I'm done with that, I think you can you can figure that that's that's got to be it. Like my birthday present to myself, maybe just like yeah, just shy of twenty years, I'm I'm out. I'm off social media. I gotta I gotta figure out a different life, um, away from comedy because it's so dumb. Like I can't I can't get over like how it's just this death spiral of like art and integrity going down the fucking tubes like uh, like I wish I wish sometimes that I wasn't a comic and I was just an observer somebody writing about comedy so I could so I could so I could examine what's happening um but you know it's uh it is what it is as they say uh
trying to think if I have any reviews. I'm still working my way through Jim Thorpe. Um, we're watching the new, the Stephen Merchant series with him and Christopher Walken on, on Amazon called The Outlaws because I'm a big Stephen Merchant fan. So the pilot's kind of weak, but since then I've definitely been enjoying it. We're just four episodes in, but it's, excuse me, it's two seasons of six episodes. So that'll, that'll take like another week or so. Um, I saw The Fablemans. Bored me out of my mind. Now I'm also on some medications um, for my neck pain and my, my, uh, like I'm, I'm in, I've also been having very, um, what's the opposite of a daydream, a day nightmare about my, my health, which I'm hoping is fine, but it's just been, you know, I've been, I've been fatigued. Like I've never been fatigued in my life. Like there's something wrong with me, but we'll figure that out soon. That's how you'll know I have something terminal. The special will sell to Netflix and become a global phenomenon. That's when you should check on my health immediately because you'll be like, um, JL just found out um, he's very, very sick. So he will not be able to tour or enjoy any of his success. <laughs> I wish I didn't actually think that, but that's how negative my thinking has gotten. Um, but the outlaws I'm enjoying. Uh, needed a break from is, is so much serious stuff on, on the platforms. Uh but I know I didn't, I, I, I felt like that was a, that was a pretty real episode. Um, and I appreciate most people who think I'm, you know, not in any kind of cruel way, but think I'm crying wolf when it comes to quitting. Cause I've talked like that before, but I just have this nagging feeling that if I'm not like, I don't know, if I have six months to live or 60 years, but it's starting to feel to me like all the negative energy that comedy gets out of me is, um, is eating away at my life, whatever I have left. Like it's, you know, you, you, you don't want to waste the time that you have. And when I believe there's potential and value in what I'm doing as a comedian and, and potential for the career I want and to, to make a bigger difference as an entertainer and maybe with money, I'm, I'm all, all in, but you know, I talked about the audience in Syracuse and then like the Patreon, just for people who are Patreon people, the bonus episode just discussed a joke that I posted on, on social media that got like this weird, really stupid reaction from a lot of people who like inferred that I was trying to like start some sort of racial problem and not just posting a funny picture. Um, and it was both sides doing it, which is always, which always, it's always lovely to at least have my, my beliefs validated. Like, Oh look, here's the conservative person who thinks I was uh, staging a false flag operation. And here's the left wing person who's doing a deep dive to figure out if CVS is really racist. And here's the person who's suggesting that I have a problem with black Santa Claus. Um, which is like, it was, it was a, it was like a perfect storm of like all the wrong people from every angle on, on a comedy post. Um, and then Syracuse, there were, there were plenty of great people, good fans, but, and some people bought some stuff, but, but at the same time, you know, half the audience was paid tickets. Half the audience was, was ticketed, was, was pay, you know, like comps just so they would have enough people in there buying drinks and food. And man, it just, 
sometimes you just feel like, who am I fucking performing for? Like, I'm not, like, I'm not Dennis Miller. Like, I, I, I model myself, I mean, I, I say this with all humility, the three comedians that I feel have been the biggest influences on my comedy are Greg Giraldo, Gary Gullman, either Chris Rock or Patrice O'Neill. Like, at times, maybe four of them. You know, it's a lot of influences, but I, when I write a six-minute bit about something, I'm like, oh, this is the, Gull this is the Gullman influence. Um, or when I've condensed like a complex thing into a funny one-liner or a funny two-liner, I'm like, ah, oh, that feels Giraldo-y, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Patrice just got me to be a little more vulgar. I'm not a vulgar comedian, but he, but, but just being, listening to his stuff, um, you know, just, it didn't turn me into any kind of blue, filthy comic, but it made me less afraid to try the occasional filthy bit. Um, so those are my, like my, my, my. I feel like the average person is getting dumber and maybe it's cell phones and the internet, but I feel like the average person, we no longer have shared, forget shared facts. That's for like the politics, but shared knowledge, like a communal knowledge um, is, is disappearing as people become more um, b bunkered in or whatever the term is for like, you just know your shit. You know the shit that's relevant to your life. Nobody's playing Trivial Pursuit. Not as many, you're not watching Je Jeopardy got easy, by the way. I, I, I mean, maybe it was because I was a kid, but I feel like I used to never know Jeopardy, and now I'm like, I know all that shit. Um, but it's, it's another one of those factors. Like, So if the fan base is very passive, if you've only accumulated sort of a largely passive fan base that just wants to be distracted, that's okay. But in the aggregate, that's not helpful. On the individual basis, great. Live your life. Take my comedy however you want it. But in the aggregate, if I have too high a percentage of people who don't give a shit about anything except the occasional flip through, on a, that becomes problematic for me building a career. And then if the fans, that it's the people, I shouldn't say the fans because I get good reaction from the fans. But, but then if you have other people showing up who are like giving you blank stares or like uncomfortable and they just want a fucking Kevin Hart story time bullshit set, then you go, well, who am I, who am I performing for? You know, and, it, and these questions, these questions never seem to stop for me. Um, and they're bothering me and it's making me unhappy. So um, we'll see. A lot riding on half blackface, but I think, you know, my level of confidence is low. Uh, when it comes to that being the game changer I need it to be. But we'll see. Um, maybe it's just, see, it's raining and gloomy in here, and, and that's what I'm doing. Cookie's sleeping now on her bed. Um, so she's she's gotten over my, my earlier scolding. But um, thank you for listening. Uh, I just felt like I needed to give the unvarnished truth. Um, cause it's, uh, I just, I don't, I don't see it happening. And then I, and then assuming that half blackface doesn't change my life or, or alter my career, uh, you know, it's time to, it's time to hang it up because, uh, it's making me unhappy. 
and there's no facet of it that isn't making me unhappy. You know, whether it's apathy among self-proclaimed fans, low ticket sales, looking at dumb faces from the crowd that don't get your shit, even though you're fairly mainstream and accessible. Um, and, and, you know, being immersed in the comedy world, you have to see the success of other people. And sometimes you see people getting success. and You're like, good for you, man, you kicked ass or good for him. He's great. And then other times you're like, what agent is propping you up? You're fucking, you're fucking Bernie from weekend. At, your comedy is Bernie from weekend at Bernie's and your agents are dragging you along, stuffing you into clubs because they're, they have leverage because of their actual good or successful talent. So in every angle, you just go, I'm, I'm not, I don't think I'm wanted in this business. Um, and at some point, you know, to borrow the analogy from, from that I've used before with my mom, it's time to stop complaining about the bed not being made and just face facts. And then once you face facts and get comfortable with the fact that the bed isn't going to be made, you can either bitch about other things, or at least you won't, you won't be upset anymore about what's happening with, with, with the bed. So this is my comedy bed and, uh, it's not going to get made. So what an analogy, what a podcast, blah. Um, yeah, that's all I got for you today. Um, I got to go eat a salad so I don't have a, so I don't die of diabetes or a heart attack. Uh, I might see she said later today. Uh, but now it's all cozy. I kind of want to be like, let's have food in and watch a movie, watch some streaming content. Uh, but yeah, uh, I won't give you another one. This will be the last. This is my promise to you. This will be the last depressing one you get all year. Okay, December, we're going to keep it festive and funny and fun and contenty. And uh, But this one, you know, I've just been... I. I, I I just don't, I don't see, I, I'm just going to spend the next few months figuring out my post-comedy mindset. Because uh, I think that's the safest and best place for me to be, is someplace away from comedy. Um, so yeah, so we'll see. Don't send me any like, no, you can't quit. I, I, I've told you the terms of my continuing in this business. I need half blackface to be a fucking monster. I had more confidence in the first taping being that low, still low chances just by the nature of it, but high chances, relatively speaking, because it was such a fucking A plus set in every way. But like I said, this A minus <clears throat> is better than a lot of people's A's. So there's always a chance and I'm... <clears throat> I would love that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, there goes my voice. Hey, can you hear that? What the fuck just happened to my voice? Did God just take away my ability to impersonate people by fucking up my vocal cords? This is not a tech thing. This is just my voice doing this right now. Whoa. Another sign from the Lord. Take that, Ron Reagan Jr. <clears throat> Hello? Oh, never mind, guys. It was just phlegm. It wasn't the Lord. Um... <laughs> But, you know, it's, it's, uh, I don't even know what the fuck I was saying before I started joking again, but it's, um, it's unlikely, but I'm, I am game. I am here for half blackface to succeed. I would love to see that. 
And if it does, then this this can just be that that underdog turning point in the movie about JL where he hit his low point and then all of a sudden a miracle happened. Half blackface became the Nanette of its time. Critics hailed it as Nanette, but with lots of laughs. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I'm out. I'll talk to you next week. Uh, book review coming from Jim Thorpe uh, in like two weeks. I'll figure out other bonus keen-teen-t. Um But as you can imagine, my motivation has been lower these uh, last few weeks as I just sort of seriously contemplate uh, a future without comedy. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you guys for listening, even though maybe it doesn't always sound like I do. I do. Um, there just aren't enough of you to keep me going at this pace and at this mood. Um, and then I feel guilty. I feel guilty because anybody who's met me, I think at a show, I really do. I really deeply appreciate the support that many of you give me. Um, it means a lot because I have a long, long career of not succeeding. So even feeling like a success or gaining new fans, people who've never met me before, who are, who are there to support or, or, or really enjoy my comedy, it means the world to me. But the irony is the, one of the reasons I'm able to make more personal connections on the road and online is because my fan base isn't what I need it to be in terms of numbers and money for to have the kind of career that I want. So it's a sad irony is that like, oh, I feel like I owe my fans more because it means a lot to me and is very special that they are fans. But by the, 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 the catch 22 is the career that would make me happy would be one where I am too busy and have too many fans to give that individual touch. So it's a catch 22. You can either get to know your fans really well and feel guilty that you're not having a better career for them, or you can have the career you want and not feel bad about your career, but then be more detached from your fans because you have such a large fan base. So it's a real catch-22, um, but uh, that's it. We're coming up on an hour. So guys, I hope this didn't, I just, this is, this is just a little, little, little honesty, a little uh, confessional just to give you my, um, a little more detailed take than just like, comedy sucks. I fucking hate it. Um, that's what's going through my mind. So, uh, half blackface basically is an affront to God is what I'm saying. Cause the Lord already told me by fucking up the tape on the first one that I'm supposed to quit. And now I'm like Vlad the Impaler in Bram Stoker's Dracula, just stabbing across and drinking his blood like Gary Oldman did in that movie. And yikes. Uh, <laughs> have a good week, folks. I will see you next Tuesday.